Did you know that studies have shown affirmations can profoundly influence your psychological well-being, enhancing self-confidence and reducing anxiety? Here at Positive Birth Australia, we have crafted a 20-minute birth affirmations track filled with soulful, carefully curated affirmations to empower, inspire, and guide you to deeply remember the power you hold within. And to my fellow belly birth mothers, we have created a track specifically for you to honor that all birth is a sacred moment of profound significance. For only $5, you can download and immerse yourself in our affirmations track to transform your mindset in the lead up to birth and during labor, serving as a potent reminder of the inherent power and love you possess. Visit us at www.positivebirthaustralia.com or head to the show notes and follow the link provided to start your journey toward a more empowered birth experience. Welcome to Positive Birth Australia, a podcast created to empower and educate mothers along their own pregnancy journey. Each week, I'll be sharing insightful and inspiring birth stories and advice in the hopes to help you create your own positive birth experience. I'm your host, Sky Marie. Let's get into today's show. Welcome back everyone. On today's show, first time mother Laura takes us through her journey to bring her son Earthside. A previous pregnancy loss understandably led to anxieties in her first trimester. It was at her 11 week scan that those fears were decimated when she saw her baby's strong heartbeat for the first time. After years of suffering from mental health issues, she describes her pregnancy as a healing journey that restored deep trust in her body and what it was capable of. Living a holistic lifestyle, Laura innately pulled away from the medical system, knowing that she wanted to birth her baby in a space that felt sacred to her, home. Although she dabbled with the idea of free birthing, her acceptance into her local MGP program decided for her the model of care she would secure. Due to short staff, she was unable to meet her midwife until 35 weeks, receiving continuity of care mostly through her doula. Laura spent her pregnancy deeply educating herself on all aspects of physiological birth, knowledge that enabled her to stay grounded when they received opposing advice from their midwife. Laura shares with us how her desire to free birth almost manifested and the shift in sensations felt as she emerged from transition and started bearing down. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Positive Birth Australia, Laura. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Could you just start off by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I live in South Australia, just a bit south of Adelaide um, in an area called Port Wollonga. Um, And I live with my partner, Finn, and our dog and our cat, and um, Finn's nephew as well. He's 14 and he recently moved in with us. Oh, okay, Um, cool. Yeah. Um, and I grow flowers down here. <laughs> oh, how beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And your little boy? Uh, we had a little boy, Ollie. Amazing. So was Ollie a planned conception? 
No, it was a wonderful surprise. Oh, perfect. (laughs) (laughs) And was it, did you feel a shift in your body or was it the fact that you missed your period? Um, We pretty well knew in the moment that it happened. Okay, right. (laughs) Yeah, it was memorable. um, But yeah, it was definitely oopsie um, (laughs) when it happened. But we actually experienced a miscarriage um, about a year and a half prior. So that was a pretty um, emotional time, but also really strengthening time in our relationship that helped us know that whenever it did happen again, if it was an accident or planned, that that's something that we'd definitely choose and, um, yeah, go ahead with mm-hmm. and what we're in for. Yeah, okay. And was your first pregnancy a planned conception or...? No, that was another, another accident. Okay, right. <laughs> So obviously I'm guessing that there was probably a lot of um, anxieties and fears around losing your pregnancy with Ollie. Yes, massively. Um, So I feel like I moved through the first, the loss of the first one um, pretty well. I took time out and did a few rituals and um, yeah, just really explored my emotions through it and um, tried to, yeah, move through a lot of um, previous um, emotions around pregnancy and things as well, which was really helpful. Um, but it still came up a lot. There was um, a lot of checking for blood a lot of the time and, yeah, a lot of anxiety right up until the 12 weeks um, as to if it was actually going to stick or not. Um, yeah, so it was quite a fearful time and then there was a bit of a scare as well in the beginning um, because we got COVID when I was about nine weeks pregnant Mm -hmm. and uh, it knocked me out a bit but I also had a lot of morning sickness so it was pretty rough Um, but then all my symptoms disappeared quite quickly about two days after I started feeling better and when I went and saw my acupuncturist she just mentioned how Um, there is such thing as a miscarriage that your body doesn't recognize. Um, So hormonally, it still thinks that you're pregnant, but the baby's actually passed. And so she kind of put that in my mind a little bit and it freaked me out. So I went and got a scan just to check that everything was okay at 11 weeks. Um, And then, yeah, that was probably the best moment of the whole pregnancy, just seeing the little person there alive and well. And that kind of just diminished all... Uh, fears and things around um yeah the losing it and um yeah yeah okay and so other than the fear of another loss was there any other fears or anxieties that you had to work through that pregnancy um the whole pregnancy physically was perfect like um i had a bit of nausea for about two weeks in the beginning but by 10 weeks it was completely gone um I pretty well had energy the whole time I was still working in the garden I was quite physical um and yeah everything was perfect um the whole time but because we knew from the get-go that well in my mind there was no other option but to have a home birth um and Trying to do that in the system um, was really difficult. And the reason why we were going with um, choosing to be in a group practice with a midwife instead of a private midwife was purely financial. Um, But, yeah, that was definitely the one 
the biggest challenge. So do you pay anything in the MGP program? No, it's completely free. They come to your house for all the appointments um, before and afterwards and, yeah, everything's brought to you and you don't pay anything. Wow, that's so amazing. Um, For a private midwife, I think it's anywhere between three and $7,000. Yeah. Um, And that was just just seemed like a lot of money for us at the time um but if I was to do it again I'd 100% do a private midwife yeah okay amazing (laughs) (laughs) now you said that you knew immediately that you wanted to give birth at home was there any particular thing that sort of influenced your decision or did you have anyone in your circle that had birthed at home that you were inspired by um just one of my friends had had a home birth okay and I'm not sure. I think just I'm quite removed from the medical system. I don't really have a lot. We don't really go to the doctor often purely because we're quite healthy and haven't really needed to. But um, if something's wrong, I'll generally go and see my acupuncturist first or um, seek alternative lifestyle advice before I go to, um, yeah, your GP or go to the medical side. Mm -hmm. And it just doesn't really align so well with me and I don't feel like birth is a medical event (laughs) Um, and uh, throughout my life I've had a lot of um, challenge with my body and my relationship with my body with an eating disorder and depression and um, through working on that I felt like pregnancy and birth became this deep trust in my body and what it's capable of Um, and yeah so I felt like if I was to go in the medical system it, or go to a hospital and give birth, uh, it wouldn't, I wouldn't be allowed to do that as I would like to. And if my body was completely healthy and well and um, capable and there wasn't any high risks that I just yeah, wanted to be in my safe place um, at home and in a familiar environment and it to be um, exactly what I'd like it to be. Yeah, love that. And so you ended up getting in the MGP program? Yeah, so I applied because I have uh, multiple friends that have gone through their pregnancies with the MGP. Um, And so as soon as I found out I was pregnant at about five or six weeks, I registered the birth and applied to get in because there's quite a high rate of people that don't get accepted. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it wasn't until you're usually supposed to find out around 20 weeks whether you've been accepted or not. But I didn't receive a phone call till like maybe 26 weeks. And so I was just sitting there. (laughs) wondering if I was in it or not and just kind of like oh I'm sure I'll hear from them I'm sure I will (laughs) and the um, nurse that we spoke to at the hospital when we first went for the introduction kind of appointment she had said that um, because I had wanted a home birth I'd be a really high candidate and it's practically a shoe-in so I just had this confidence that would get in but then because I actually hadn't heard (laughs) from them I was like are we are we not I don't actually know what's happening but um, before the 20-week scan free birth was also on my um, radar as to be an option um, as well so yeah Awesome. And so what were some of the things you did throughout your pregnancy to get educated Mm -hmm. and ready for birth? Was there any particular resources that you found helpful? Yes, absolutely. As soon as I found out I was pregnant, I 
went to my acupuncturist and she gave me a book to read. Um, and it was Ina Mae Gaskin and it was her Midwife Manifest. Oh, okay. I haven't read that one. It's so good. But I've listened to quite a few of her stories, but um, reading them kind of wasn't something I enjoyed doing. But she, it's called Birth Matters. Okay. Um, a Midwife's Manifesto by Ina Mae Gaskin. And that was the first book I read and it was just mind-blowing. I still had quite a lot of fear around childbirth, um, probably for the first few months or couple of months, and this just kind of like threw that all away. It just gave me all this confidence in the female body and what we're capable of and what it's designed to do and just... Yeah, it's amazing. I couldn't recommend it more. Um, but, yeah, that was amazing. And then I also did – I had a book called The Birth Space. I think it's a lot more mainstream. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can find it in quite a lot of stores. About That one's a really good um, kind of like dot points everything and gets you used to the lingo and you can really easily just flick through it. Um, and then Rhea Dempsey, she has a lot of great information. The book that I read was Birth with Confidence. I got it from your website, actually. Oh, awesome. (laughs) Thank you. Um, yeah, I ordered a couple of books and the Surrender Candle, and that was kind of my biggest thing through the whole thing is that just I wanted to be able to surrender, and so I felt that that was my birth candle and yeah it was great oh amazing (laughs) yeah um but birth with confidence was amazing it just completely reshaped my perspective on fear uh sorry pain in birth Mm. um and that it has a purpose and that it's not just a suffering um with no real outcome it's actually um there for a reason and your body's doing something can it's actually helping you not feel as much pain as you could be. <laughs> yeah, so that was pretty amazing as well. And then I also read Ten Moons. I wanted to do a bit more um, emotional and spiritual work with um, the birth as well or leading into it. So Ten Moons really helped me explore a bit internally. Um, but then I also saw um, a local woman called Anne. Her business is Barefoot and Thankful and she – I did a, it was almost a three-hour session with her just exploring, um, yeah, my internal world and any kind of blockages and fears that I might be hiding that I wasn't aware of and to just hold space for that, which I felt was um, really incredible as well. Yeah, cool, because they say it can come up or show up in birth. Yeah, exactly, and I was so, like, reading things from Ina Mae, she is so aware of um, the emotional side of birth as well and that um, how it can um, halt things and just not, yeah, can all come up and I wanted to make sure that I gave Ollie the best chance of coming into this world the way he needed to and um, for me to not get in the way with my own stuff. Yeah. And what were some of the fears that came up during all this inner work you were doing? I think it was mainly the pain. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I think just it's one of the most spoken about things with birth is just how painful it is. Mm. And, um, yeah, I think I was just scared of the pain. I wasn't really scared of stillbirth or um, anything really going on. Um, But, yeah, just the pain and that was pretty 
yeah, made me not want to do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's such a yeah. common fear, right? Yeah. I remember someone telling me when I was younger that birth was like having every single one of your bones in your body broken at the same time. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Who, why would she do that to I you? I <laughs> know, right? But that's, you know, such a common narrative that a lot of us grow up with. And I always find that shifting your perspective from birth is this horrible, painful event to this is pain with purpose is a total game changer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think once I started learning about the process and what actually happens, um, that was like really solidified the fact that I wanted to have it completely natural and let my body do exactly what it needed to so I could be as supported as possible. But also that it is just normal. And it's just what your body needs to do to get the baby into the world. And, um, yeah, and it's not this huge thing to be feared. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And so were you having anyone else other than your midwives in your birth space? Yeah, so we had a doula. I met Skye through um, my business. She was buying vegetables off of me when I started growing them before I did flowers. Um, and she was in her final year of studying as a doula. So we decided to hire her. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like, I feel like that gave me the support that I needed through the whole second half of the pregnancy. She was amazing. Um, there was a lot of unknown with the midwives. We got in at a bit of, bit of a funny time where they were quite short-staffed, so we didn't actually get to meet the midwife that was going to be present at our birth till about 35 weeks, I think it was. Okay. Um, so it was quite far along before we actually we, – we saw lots of different midwives and none of them were going to be the ones that were going to be at our birth. So, But I, it didn't really bother me because I knew that it was going to be me, Finn and Sky and – um yeah she just became a friend through it all and um someone I could talk to about anything and have no judgment she would help research she would just support me in whatever ideas I had or emotions that I had and um yeah she was absolutely incredible to have and as I said earlier about being on the fence with wanting to free birth um so my ideal situation would have been to go through the birth completely on our own and just have the midwife support afterwards for the post care and that actually ended up happening (laughs) yeah so it was really cool to have sky around and um yeah so take us to that last week before you gave birth how were you feeling oh really good Mm -hmm. I was uh really looking forward to it I don't think I really got to the point that I was uncomfortable and just wanted them to hurry up I think it was more just a bit impatient because I wanted to meet them (laughs) or him Um, and we didn't find out the sex so it was all unknown as well as to who was in there Um, and yeah I was just excited to meet them (laughs) (laughs) but we tried to not let ourselves be too impatient so we spent a lot of time kind of focusing on spending one-on-one time together because we knew that there wasn't going to be a whole lot of that um once he was born um, and it's been that on another level to what we could have expected and yeah just try and make the most of life as it was before he was here Um, 
and not to, yeah, let any kind of impatience overcome us. Yeah, that's awesome. And was there any lead up to labour starting? Like did you have any prodromal labour or was it just kind of sprung on you? Oh, it was kind of sprung upon us at about, after 30, we're like from 37 weeks, we were ready and we we're kind of like, okay, when are you coming? Um, my mum was went overdue. I looked at my mum's pregnancies as kind of an example to think of like kind of what mine might be. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was overdue for all three of us and got induced. And I was a little bit scared of um, going too far overdue and needing to battle that with the system because I didn't want to get induced. And I trusted if I was to go overdue, that's because they're not ready. Um, Can I ask what the cutoff is for the MGP program over there? 40. We didn't really get to the point of needing to talk about it, but I think it's 42 weeks is the absolute maximum that, but that they'll let you, but I don't think you're allowed a home birth oh, okay. at that point. It's like 40 plus eight or something. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. But it's not, yeah, it's not heaps over, mm-hmm. but if you have a private midwife, I think you can, you just have to sign a waiver. Yeah. Okay. And so, sorry, how far along were you? Uh, so I ended up being 37 weeks. Uh, sorry, 39 weeks and five days. Okay. But because I knew the day that we conceived him, I calculated a different due date to what the system had and it ended up being that day, which oh, ended wow. up being Christmas Eve. Um, oh, Christmas but Eve. But the system was three days um, afterwards. So we were, yeah, 39 and five. Yeah. But, yeah, it came on pretty surprised. I was ready for it to happen from 37 weeks and I was like, oh, maybe it's happening, maybe it's happening, but it wasn't. Um, and then it got to a point where I was like, oh, I feel like he might have settled in for a bit and it could be a while. It's either going to happen the week before Christmas or I, I reckon he'll go overdue. But um, on the Wednesday that week I started feeling really like cramping um, and I was like, maybe this is it, maybe it's not. It doesn't feel like my belly's contracting, so I don't know if that's a contraction or what. And, yeah, it just kind of started happening on and off. And then I was like, oh, maybe he's coming tonight. And, yeah, it didn't. I just kind of had on and off really light contractions all day and then it kind of simmered a bit overnight. Um, but then it really picked up again in the morning. And so on the Thursday they started getting quite a lot more intense and a little bit unmanageable but not completely um and closer together but we called the midwife and she was like oh until they're um in so intense that you can't talk through it and I can't even remember how many minutes apart two minutes apart or whatever it was or a minute apart um and going for this long then um you're not in active labor so you'll still be a while and blah 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 so she uh, the whole labor time I felt a big um quite torn between taking advice from the midwife and then also what I felt my body was doing and where it was at. Um, she actually got it quite wrong, <laughs> okay. um, which is all good because I felt very confident in it all and we were just in it. It wasn't, yeah, there wasn't any thoughts of fear or thoughts of anything outside of our little bubble. It was just happening, which was really cool. Um, but, yeah, it got to the Thursday afternoon and we had a spa that we borrowed from a friend um set up in the living room and um we got Finn's nephew Dakota to go to his grandma's house so we could have a free house for it um and that all happened in the afternoon as they started to get intense I was like I think it's going to happen tonight 
Um, and then the midwife's like, nah, it's not intense enough. You're not in active labor yet. And go lay down. She kept telling me to lay down and take some painkillers to try and rest. Oh, and I was like, oh, I oh, feel okay. like I should do that because well, I don't want to not listen to her advice and be really tired and not be able to make it through. Like it could be a really long time in labor. <clears throat> and But then anytime I lay down, it made it so much more intense and quite unbearable actually. Um, that there's no way in hell I was going to be out of sleep anyway. So I was just like, nah, I'm getting up. And they slowed down and they weren't as close together and um, whenever I'd lay down, so I was like, I'm just going to get up and put some music on and just be in it. And as soon as I did, it was on. They got heaps more intense. They were a lot more closer together. I think I was in active labour way before the midwife thought I was. Um, but I don't know if the timer that we were using, I, it was really hard to actually time yourself when you're in labour. I didn't, yeah, realise there was so much to it in trying to get a midwife here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At what point did you call for Sky to come over? Yeah, so it had gotten, I don't really know the times of everything, but um, Finn just kind of took over that side of things. Um, but she got here when it was dark already, so it was probably like, eight, nine o'clock, mm-hmm. um, that she came and we were probably in it for a bit. I was already in the pool. Um, yeah, the midwife still didn't think I was in active labour. Oh <laughs> um, she was very textbook though. Everything she was saying was just kind of like, oh, once you're in active labour, then um, you'll be about this sort of centimetres dilated and then every three hours you'll be another centimetre and it just was not. Yeah, okay. It's it's just interesting because you would think having a lot of experience with physiological birth, she would know that everyone's different and that you could have given birth in two hours. It was four. Oh, wow. Well, there you go. <laughs> we okay. were in supposedly active labour for four hours. So oh, that's so quick. It was quite quick. Um, yeah. But, yeah, Finn just kept kind of keeping in touch with her and um, – they got to a point where the contractions just got a bit heavy um, and I decided to get in the water. I was a little bit hesitant getting in the water because a friend that we borrowed the pool from, she spent a lot of her labour time in the water and it really slowed things down. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was really conscious of the fact that it might slow things down and I didn't want it to. (laughs) Yeah. So I just kind of waited until it felt right and that, um, yeah, I really wanted that support because I'd chosen not to have a TENS machine or um, any other kind of pain relief. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I got into the water um, and then just kept going. <laughs> Sky got there and um, she was just amazing, um, Held just held space really. Um, we kept our dog here the whole time too, so she kept, kept kind of managing him a bit if we needed to because he kept barking at the midwives anytime they'd rock up. Um, so knew that we'd need some help when they got there. Um, and, yeah, so Finn was just there with me and Sky just kind of um, hung out in the background and, yeah, was just really beautifully silently there. Um, and I just moved through the contractions, which got very unbearable. Okay. <laughs> I just remember thinking, like, I felt a lot of it in my back and I'm pretty sure he wasn't, is it posterior? Yeah. But there was a lot of pain in my back. 
it was very exhausting. I just remember saying a few things to Finn, like, why did we do this? And, um, and just, yeah, really feeling it. And I would just pass out on the side of the pool in between the contractions and, yeah, I was just getting quite exhausted. Um, and the midwife just kept saying that it'll be hours. So, um, yeah, just tried to make it through. But then suddenly my body decided to start pushing um and there was one contraction where there was a bit of a sensation to push but because the midwife had said that it's I'm I hadn't been in active labor for long that I was a bit hesitant to go with it and so I mentioned it to Sky and she just reassured me and said just do whatever your body is feeling and just gave me that permission to go into it and um yeah so I was able to then just get back in my zone and um, go with it and it was incredible seeing the transition from these really unbearable contractions to then these kind of sensations that then would fill my body with all these amazing feelings mm. so I went from being oh why we did we do this to then smiling in between them and just having this kind of more hopefulness and this excitement show up of um yeah being knowing that they're almost here and that it's all happening um which was really amazing I couldn't believe it really <laughs> from it being so painful yeah. <laughs> um and then the the pushes would just keep coming so Finn called the midwife and let her know that I was pushing and she was concerned that of me pushing too soon and things like that and we just kind of ignored that yeah <laughs> it's like my body's just doing this I'm not doing it on purpose yeah exactly <laughs> um and then he's she's like okay well if it keeps happening call me because we need to come ASAP um because they were both at least 40 minutes away and he called again because it kept happening <laughs> um so we were yeah deep in it with no midwives which I loved um yeah no kind of emotions around it it wasn't yeah a scary thing I, I didn't want any intervention or any kind of uh, checks along the way either so it was kind of perfect in that I then didn't need to be spoken to to be asked or um yeah, kind of I didn't have to deny any of that, which was cool. Mm. I could just be in it and do it. Yeah, because that the act of someone talking to you while you're in labor is almost, you know, a minor intervention for some women. Yeah, and that was something I was quite conscious of not wanting. On our, I decided to write some – in the preparation I wrote a bit of a birth wish list um, and one of the things was not to be spoken to directly and to speak to Sky first and then Finn if and then if absolutely need be in an emergency kind of situation then to talk to me yeah. um, which was all well and good but there was a situation where the midwife just asked me <laughs> mm. um, but that's okay it was right at the end and um, yeah it was all good but yeah definitely aware of the fact that I wanted to be in my zone and not interrupted yeah yeah so I started feeling oh I was going with the feelings to push um and then it got really intense and I started feeling the kind of is it the ring of fire that they talk about and start feeling like a burning sensation um and the head being really close and that brought up a little bit of fear I was like oh no is this gonna hurt yeah. <laughs> um and just a bit uh, scared of tearing a little bit um 
so I tried to hold it off a little bit and not kind of let it all happen straight away and just let my body do the pushing but not assist it in any way and just kind of, yeah, held it back a bit. Um, and then it was just on and I started feeling the head coming um, and we moved through the burning sensation. It was all okay. <laughs> um, and then the midwife rocked up. Oh, while you were crowning. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> so she was there and just kind of hung out in the background, which was really nice. Um, but I also had a, I'd watched we watched the Ina May Gaskin documentary, and there was a birth where the bum came out first, mm-hmm. and for some reason that stuck in my head, and I was a bit scared of the bum coming out first and them not being in the right position. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so I had heard all these stories of people feeling the hair and being able to feel the head when it came out, and so I put my hand down there and. When the head started coming out, I started feeling and I was like, oh, I don't think I can feel hair. I'm not sure what I'm feeling. Um, But the head wasn't fully out yet, so I was probably just feeling lots of different things. Mm. But then this fear came over me. I was like, can you get Angela? I I think I want her to check. (laughs) (laughs) And so there was just this little bit of fear of like making sure. I was like, I don't know if it's the head. And um, by the time Angela came around, the head was out and it was definitely a head. (laughs) Um, But that was pretty amazing and then I think in my mind I just decided that that was it the rest was coming out and within the next contraction um I pushed the rest of his body out um and it was all pretty chaotic the second midwife just got here um and the dog was barking and (laughs) uh yeah it was it was all going on but yeah it was very amazing yeah, and we managed to – so Finn and I caught him and we brought him up to my chest so no midwives were there touching him or anything like that, which was something that we wanted. We wanted it to be either of us first. Um, but the umbilical cord was quite short, so I wasn't able to bring him right to my chest. Um, it kind of just hung out around my boob line and, yeah, it was a bit – the pool was quite deep, so I felt a bit awkward in there trying to stand up and – uh, trying to sit there holding him but yeah. yeah wow so beautiful and what about your fourth stage did you stay in the pool for very long or um they were pretty adamant on getting me out okay. um we weren't super prepared for afterwards so the midwives were doing a bit of fussing around trying to put some plastic on the couch and um get it all set up so I could not be in the water um so they pretty well got me out straight away and then I just sat on the couch for a bit holding him while they filled out some forms and did some things and then they just told me to let them know when I um, felt a little bit of cramping and we tried to get him to latch a little bit as well to feed and that will help um, the placenta be birthed as, t- as well. Um, so, yeah, as soon as I started feeling some cramping, they got me to stand up and the placenta was born, uh, birthed within like, 20 minutes I think yeah it was all pretty quick and seamless yeah it all happened we weren't I didn't do much research into what to do with the placenta whether we wanted to keep it or do a lotus birth or whatever it was um I didn't feel super strong either way as soon as I did start looking a bit into it I was too late and I feel like I probably would have done a lotus birth (laughs) Mm -hmm. um my perspective on everything was how nature intended it to be and that we didn't have scissors 
back in the Stone Age and things like that and um, they would have probably used herbs and salts and things to preserve rather than cut the umbilical cord. But our main, um, yeah, wish was just that um, we had delayed cord clamping, um, which all happened and it was all good and, yeah. Yeah, awesome. And who announced that Ollie was a boy? Uh, I did and I was so shocked. I tried to look um, when he first came out and I couldn't really see because the umbilical cord was so short and he was so far down it was just a bit awkward and I couldn't see anything. And then while I was waiting for the midwife, Sky was there and she actually got it on film, which was funny Um, because this whole time everyone thought it was a girl that was probably like – only a handful of people that thought it would have been a boy Um, and me included, I thought it was a girl. Um, And, yeah, I was just so shocked. I ended up checking again and saw a set of balls there. I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) It's a boy. Finn would have been so excited because he he had to go and tend to the dog for a second and when he came back I was like, Finn, it's a boy. And he was like, what? Yeah, it was very exciting and shocking all at once. It took me a few hours to be like oh my god I can't believe it's a boy (laughs) oh boys are the best they're the sweetest little souls yeah I'm very very happy (laughs) and then afterwards did you Mm. guys just hang around in bed did the midwife stay for long they were there so he was born just after midnight so it just ticked over to Christmas Eve um and the midwives were there a little bit longer than I wanted them to be but they have their stuff to do and they kind of prefer to get all the paperwork um, out of the way anyway. Um, and so we just hung out while while they did what they needed to do and then they ran through a quick little breastfeeding technique session, which I found very overwhelming. Um, yeah, they're just trying to school, like teach you how to breastfeed an hour after you've given birth and it was it just felt very, yeah, a bit much at the time <laughs> but also a bit necessary I guess um but yeah so they're probably there for maybe three hours and then Sky helped us get all set up in bed and oh, I had a shower as well um just to clean up and put a nappy on myself <laughs> and Ollie um yeah and then we just got into bed it was quite early in the morning it was probably like 3 or 4 a.m by then so we um just wanted to get some sleep but yeah, it was um, when everyone leaves, it's very intense. <laughs> You're just kind of left with a baby in your house and not really sure what to do with them. <laughs> yeah, so true. Did you establish breastfeeding? Yeah, yeah, we were pretty right with that. Um, he was nice. latched straight away, but, yeah, we just didn't know what to do and I think I overthought it a lot and when he cried, I'm like, well, how do we stop him from crying? What are we supposed <laughs> to do? <laughs> And also didn't know how to sleep. It was all a bit awkward and uncomfortable and he wouldn't settle if he was swaddled in in a bassinet. So I ended up having him on my chest Um, and I ended up falling asleep with him on my chest and that's how we've slept from then on. Um, I've slept like that with all of my babies and we've always had pretty good sleep, so... Yeah, it it we actually sleep through the night most nights. So it's oh, nice. um well, not sleep through the night fully. We wake up when he needs to feed, but I don't need to get up or anything and it means he doesn't need resettling cuz yeah. Um he just kind of hangs out and falls back asleep after a feed. Mm. 
Yeah, look, I'm a huge advocate for co-sleeping. I think it's the most biologically normal thing for any mother to do. And I had twins and still never felt fully sleep deprived um, because just like you, no one ever really woke up. It was just stirring for a feed and then they would go straight back down. Yeah, it was really tough though because um, all the information you read on co-sleeping online is... Make sure they're next to you, don't have them sleeping on their stomach, blah, 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 all these things. And I guess they need to do that for um, worst-case scenario prevention. But, Mm. yeah, it just made me feel like, are we doing the right thing? Mm. (laughs) And it was really hard to kind of just trust what was best for us. We ended up seeing a baby Cairo um, a week or two in just to – check him out and he was quite a cry baby um there was lots of tears still is um but yeah we went and saw her and she was like I'm not supposed to tell you this but all babies should sleep on their stomach so good (laughs) and that just gave me the reassurance that all right just keep doing what works for us and about the rest yeah love that tune into your intuition because you know what's best always yeah so with your next birth, if you decide to have more children, will you do anything differently? Yeah, we're not quite sure that we will ever have another one, but okay. I would either 100% instead of being in the public system with the group practice, I would do a private midwife. Yeah. Um, otherwise, yeah, free birth. Mm. It felt pretty well like that's what we did anyway (laughs) but I wanted minimal intervention and minimal scans and things like that and our battle was actually through the pregnancy um, Ollie was measuring quite big and they wouldn't approve us for a home birth if he was measuring too big and so to combat that I needed to have more scans and that was one of the things I didn't want so it was and the fact that a big baby wasn't a concern for me I didn't feel like that was a risk for birth I didn't think my body wasn't capable of birthing a big baby so it wasn't a good enough reason for me um so it was a bit of a battle we did the 20 week scan and he was measuring big and then they're like oh you have to do another scan at 32 weeks just to confirm and um yeah he so we I was undecided whether to do that scan or not um purely because it wasn't a risk in my mind, him being big. So um, at that point, we were like, do we stick with the group practice? Do we look for a private midwife? Do we free birth? What do we do from here? And um, we ended up deciding to do the 32-week scan and just go from there um, before making another decision. And he was measuring average, but his head was measuring big. So it still wasn't straightforward in the clear. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I was so healthy, I'm not a small person either. So it wasn't a big, uh, thing to, yeah, there was the potential that a bigger baby in the system was fine for my body. Cause I am taller. Um, how much did he end up weighing? 3.5. Oh, so not big at all. Yeah, totally normal. No, it's very normal. <laughs> I mean, I've had women on the show that are short and petite and have given birth to like 4kg babies. Yeah, I just you know? heard, heard too many stories and read too many things about women birthing big babies and not tearing and mm. 
there just not being any issues with it and it just didn't feel like I just couldn't comprehend why. I understand for some people it might be a risk or um, in some scenarios, but I was just like I have confidence that my body wouldn't create a baby that it couldn't birth and um, that, yeah, I think having the confidence as well in it is what makes it – successful too and reduces the chances of um, things going wrong but yeah the midwife ended up having to write a bit of a um a letter to a doctor and send my 32-week scan to him and just kind of plead my case to get approval to have a home birth um so it was still like 34 weeks or whatever that we didn't know if we were approved in um, with the group practice to have a home birth. So it was, yeah, a bit of an emotional roller coaster trying to battle the system to get a home birth. But, um, yeah, they ended up approving it and it all being good. And, yeah, we got what we wanted. Yeah, and you had a normal-sized baby. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't tear. There was oh, just a little amazing. bit of grazing and, yeah, it was all good. Yeah, what a beautiful journey you had. Yeah, it was a big lesson in, like, I felt – really empowered through it all um I think my in the past that I haven't um felt very confident in my knowledge and my opinion and things like that so through this I felt really confident in doing my own research and speaking up for myself and not just researching myself but also having conversations with doctors and um people with the knowledge with different knowledge and just being open to all um, perspectives as well before forming my own opinion mm-hmm. um, so it became a really empowering experience to be able to um, find my voice as well and really stick to what I wanted and what I knew was right for me yeah so to wrap up the episode what would be your key piece of advice for any expectant mothers out there listening educate yourself yeah I think that was probably the biggest thing and Sky really helped that um I just read and learned about the process and learned about the system and your rights and the fact that you don't have to do anything um there's they can recommend it and they can strongly suggest and um but ultimately there's not one thing that they have to that you have to do it's all down to you through the whole process um yeah, and I think just arming yourself with knowledge, reading, and that took away a lot of the fear for me and a lot of the unknownness, knowing kind of what your body does and what the process is. And, yeah, I would just read and learn and ask questions. Yes, lots of questions. I love that. What a beautiful journey you've had, Laura. Thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing it with us. Amazing. Thanks so much for having me. That brings us to the end of today's episode. A standout for me from today's story was Laura sharing how she requested no interruptions from her birth team, even in the form of speech, so no conversations or questions coming her way while she was laboring. I love this birth preference because it really is so important to note the impact just having people talk to you can have on you during your labor. Interventions are not isolated to instruments or drugs in birth. They really can be something as seemingly insignificant as someone talking to you. Or even for some women, just the simple act of being witnessed can bring them back into their logical mind and store labor. 
Different things will obviously affect different people, but these are just some of the things that you really need to sit with when planning out your birth preferences. Another beautiful journey for you to draw inspiration from. Guys, if you love PBA, I would be forever grateful if you could leave a review on your podcast platform. This helps us to continue this work and reach more women who need it. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you all next week for another episode.